Hi, my name's Catherine Mary Stewart, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath Podcast. Hi, I'm Serena Vincent, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Hello, this is Eleanor Matsura from The Walking Dead, and welcome to Draw One Last Breath, the horror podcast. This is Dan Fogler. You must draw one last breath. Hi, I'm Shauna McDonald, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath podcast. Hi, this is James Jude Courtney, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath horror podcast. Hi, I'm David Naughton, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Beware the moon. This is Adrienne Barbeau, your nightlight, and you're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Hi, this is Kane Hodder. You're listening to Draw One Last Breath. Keep listening. Hi, we're the Saskia Sisters. Listen to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. Yeah! Welcome to Draw One Last Breath Horror Podcast. My name's Matt. I'm Butch. I'm Jolly Paul. Welcome to episode 150. We finally got there. On this episode, we will be reviewing History of Evil. And our Summit to Scream About is a very special one on this episode, which we'll talk about later on. And our movie from the vault is none other than Big Trouble in Little China. How the devil are you guys? Very well. Happy anniversary! Woo! Woo! And to celebrate this 150 episode, we have a friend of the podcast, a friend of mine as well, um, Mr. Simon Alway. Competition winner. <laughs> <laughs> really? You didn't tell me about that. Make a, wish, make a wish foundation. <laughs> uh, all right, you breathers. <laughs> I believe that is the uh, normal greeting. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. It's, uh, it's a real privilege and honour. And I've been with you throughout the, the whole 150 episodes of this uh, momentous journey, shall we put it. Like, when did you join? When did you join us? Well, that's a very good question. I, I remember when it happened. It was I was in I was in the uh, place of work of Matt, uh, who I believe was serving me when I was buying a horror Blu-ray. No surprises there. And I was buying a copy. I don't know if you recall this, Matt, copy of The Endless. Oh, yes, uh, yes. You happened to be serving me, and you, you said, oh, that's a brilliant film. That's really cool. Have you seen it? I was like, no, no, I've heard it's really good. And then we got talking about it. You said, what sort of horror films do you like? And, and it was obviously it was a pretty quick conversation. But then you said, oh, I do a horror podcast. And then out came this business card, and you, you <laughs> handed it over. I got home in the evening, opened the H&B bag, as it was in those days. Oh, sorry. And uh, and there it was. Uh, there, there was the, the podcast card, and... Uh, it started from there, but I couldn't tell you exactly which episode it was. Um, episode, episode three or, or episode two or three was endless, wasn't it, Matt? Yeah, but I think, Simon, you went back and you listened to quite a few, didn't you? No. Quite a few. Episodes. I did. That's right. I went back. It was, it was at least a dozen or so, I think. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. I, I can't remember which episode, but it was, uh, it was relatively early on, I'd say. That proves that I actually give out the cards, guys. Thank you very much. Worth every, <laughs> worth every penny. <laughs> All right, cool. What, what's everyone been up to, man? Like, uh, in the net last couple of weeks. Geordie Paul, you got a plethora of, uh, movies that you watched? Oh, yeah, massive. No, after my 
massive haul last time. I've only watched one thing. But I just before I want I, before we say that, I do want to mention something that's a bit of an elephant in the room, and we talked about this over WhatsApp the other day, so let's just thrash it out now. And then we can hear Simon's thoughts on this one as well. So I was uh, had the pleasure of talking to one of our groupies, uh, another listener, uh, Sam, and she she quite funnily categorised us into three different uh, parts. So she obviously regular to the podcast, and she she said that Matt is the leader. Yeah, so Matt is our fearless leader. I'm like the middle one who sort of is like a bit, bit intellectual and keeps us on an even keel. And and then, an, an, an arty cunt is what she called you. So. Well, maybe, yeah. You know. <laughs> and then um, categorised. And I had to check if she was on prescription medication when she said this because I, I kind of believe it. She said Butch is her favourite because he's the funny one. <laughs> I, am, I am bloody funny. Hilarious. So, so um, Thanks, Sam. What do you think? <laughs> Has she got a spot on? Well, firstly, can you define funny? Exactly. That that means many things. Funny looking? (laughs) I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say. Um, I don't know. I think in the early days, um, I don't know. It's hard to know who I would call a leader. I mean, I know Matt, so it's unfair for me to single out Matt because obviously he's the one that's got me on it. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's responsibility shared, isn't it? I mean, um, I mean, Jordy Paul, you you joined what? How many episodes ago? Quite a long time ago now, didn't you? 100. Oh, you were on the 100th episode and then you... Yeah. Right, so you've done 50 episodes, so that's a third of it. So that's, I mean, that's that's pretty intense, isn't it, really? Just about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just about. Yeah, all right. I just thought it was hilarious that uh, Butch was the funny one, so... Mm. I, I would des- definitely ca- clap, you know, put you as a classification of being the arty one. Have us for it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. I take that as a compliment. So, yeah. But, yeah. No, I just thought it was a shout out to Sam. Thank you very much for listening. And, uh, very good. Very good. <laughs> but, All yeah, right. So, so what, what arty horror movies have you watched this, this, the last couple of weeks? I watched quite a very arty horror film uh, on Shudder called Megalomaniac. And um, it is, uh, oh, I won't go into too much detail because you sort of kind of need to watch it. But it's it kind of reminded me of, uh, the French sort of arty, you know, like the Switchblade romance and uh, Inside and that type of stuff. Doesn't go quite as far, but it's it's a, a grisly, nasty film. Um, but yeah, definitely watch that. So I'm about an hour and twenty in, so I got twenty yeah. minutes left, and it was like, okay, this is uh, gory as fuck for like forty minutes, and then okay, now it's really arty. So it's kind of like, it, what's the premise? It's really weird. Without spoiling it, it's really weird. I, I okay. should watch it. it it's, if I give you too much, you'll. It, it's it kind of. Yeah. It ruins I would say it. I, I, I'll give it a crack. A brother and <laughs> it's maybe a brother and sister or somebody. Two, somebody's living with e- with each other. So in France, there's a maniac going around cutting women up, um, but it goes into something slightly different so it follows that but also something something else and yeah the uh the woman sort of gets bullied and harassed in it it's um there's an interesting relationship and dynamic between the two certainly developing and but yeah there's a lot of like you know henry portrait of a serial killer sort of vibe mm. yeah terrifying as well yeah he's terrifying yeah um so that that was it that was it that's all i watched <laughs> All right. I watched. I did your homework and I watched the medium. Come on, um, blew me away, man. It's like it's it's really clever and and 
easy to watch. Um, because it's Korean, right? And he's done, this is the, per- the producers who did, uh, Shutter, Shutter and The Wailing. When The Wailing's also on Netflix, which is another long one, because this is a bastard long movie. And The, the Wailing's even longer. It's like two hours, 24. Um, but she's great. And they're all the characters are great. And it's fascinating watching. And it's, and it doesn't, doesn't, even though it's long and they could probably condense it, it doesn't, it, it the, the sort of pacing is really good. And for for a mockumentary, I suppose, of what it is, along the lines of like one cut of the dead, but without the hum without the humour. <laughs> Certainly. So yeah, it's sort of like yeah, I, I I dug this one. Really, really cool. Yeah. You just need to watch that guys. Honestly, it's it's very good. I've watched about an nearly an hour of it, but I stopped it to come on here. Yeah, well, no, not, I had to break it down in chunks. It's fucking long. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I haven't really watched too much of a horror. Just trying to get ready for Oscar season. So me and Matt, me and Matt watched Bob Marley one love the other day. So that was nice. I went to see that as well. Good. That's good fun. It's oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Matt, did what you dive into anything? Oh. Simon, go. Go on, Simon. Oh, right, okay. How many times did you watch think, Sallow in the last couple of weeks? Um, 15 today. <laughs> oh, there's worse than that out there. We'll get onto that later. But anyway, um, so I'm on Shudder now. And um, so I've been obviously trying to get my money's worth, so the free seven days. So I thought I would kick off with Suitable Flesh, which obviously you covered in your last episode, uh, the uh, Joe Lynch film. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was all right. I I wasn't sure when I started. I wasn't sure about the male lead. I thought he was a bit weak to start with. But I, I think I kind of well, either he grew into it or I grew into it. But I I thought it was it was it was pretty decent. It was pretty decent. Um, I think I think you all kind of like gave it around about the same mark. Is that is that right? For what I would call. So well, I think I like it. You were a bit up on it, weren't you? Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, you know I think it's well directed and he's obviously got a good future. And um, so I twin that with Mayhem as well. Have you seen Mayhem? Oh, yeah, yes. very apt with Stephen Young winning um, at the uh, SAG Awards in the week. That was fucking great. Mm, yeah, he's great, isn't he? He's really good. Um, so, yeah, so I watched those two. Um, I watched Deadstream, Matt, which you recommended to me last. Oh, no, this week, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I watched that today. Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I enjoyed that as well. Um, great blend of humour and practical effects, I thought. Um, there seems to be this sort of, I don't know what you call it, but like a live streaming genre that's emerging now. So, you know, you've got films like um, uh, Dashcam and Spree and stuff like that. I mean, they're all they're all pretty good, I think. You know, so it's a it's quite a nice inventive genre. So uh, so that that was good. Um, I also watched the this again is on Shudder, the documentary. This is Guar. Anyone heard of Guar, the band? Yeah. 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 You know about Guar. Yeah. It's a really good documentary, actually. It's uh, it's uh, it's very interesting. And they're basically like a bunch of art students that started playing music and dressing up. And it it's like, you know, they're like proto Slipknot in many ways. And you've seen the costumes. They're, they're really cool. I think they actually played Reading a couple of years ago, but I didn't didn't get to go. Um, and it's also quite sad because they lost a couple of members along the way. So um, I forget his name now, but the, the guy that was the singer, he was got kind of the founder member. He, he passed away couple of years ago but they they're carrying on with a different guy well obviously you can't tell because they're all dressed up as monsters but <laughs> you know but uh, that, that was a that was that was a really good watch I, I would recommend that to you definitely um ne- i was, nearly watched that today I yeah it's over a, it, i was like nearly watched it yeah it's about two hours just under two hours so you know uh, but it's the sort of thing you can watch it in chunks it's not you don't have to 
uh, sit down and you know you can just pick it up and whatever. But um, no, it's it's pretty good. Um, and I watched a, a Mondo film on uh, talking about well, I said it's not a Mondo film, but talk, talking about dodgy films. Uh, Amazon Prime have got a bunch of Mondo films dropped on there. Have you guys ever seen any Mondo films? No. Are we talking like Killer None and like? No, 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 no. That, no. That, so they're, no, they're non-exploitation films. That's okay. A, that's another rabbit hole to go down. So, um, so Mondo, Mondo films are, are basically were uh, primarily coming out of Italy in the 1960s. And I think the first one, first official one was Mondo Carne, which means, uh, uh, life's a dog. And they're basically like these travelogues of exotic countries. So you, what you get is like a, <laughs> I can tell you can enjoy this. You get like a, a, a team of explorers going to say, uh, the Amazon and then they investigate these very exotic, uh, you know, tribalistic rites that often involve, you know, bizarre sex acts and, uh, you know, um, possibly cannibalism and, and stuff like this. Um, I, I'd be surprised if any of them, if any of the like the, the big titles ever made it to, to Amazon Prime, but some of the sort of early titles have, have actually dropped. So, one, the one that I watched was called Naked Amazon, which from about 1958, which I never heard of. It's, it's only about 70 minutes long. I mean, it's on there, you know, if you've got Prime, it's there to watch. Again, it's a, it's a couple that, that go up the Amazon. Uh, not, not too much happens in terms of, um, natives. They, although they, they do meet some, some natives later on, but they encounter like giant snakes and, they have a fight with a crocodile and <laughs> the various things go on. It's quite interesting because it sets the scene for, for this whole uh, subgenre that was to emerge from Italy in the 60s. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of other ones on there as well. But, it's uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it was on there. It was just like, well, yeah, what what is this? Uh, Prime is amazing, actually, the stuff that you find on there. It's an absolute treasure trove. A friend of mine refers it to the TK Maxx of streaming. Uh, yeah, I wish they just, um, I just wish they'd do a bit of uh, categorization. On it, I'm a big fan of cat, and I, I just just to help me navigate it a little bit. That's fair. Uh, I think there's thirteen and a half thousand films on there at the moment. If you go yeah. to Letterbox and, and have a look, yeah, it's absolutely tons. I think um, like, uh, like the old sort of director DVD titles that the studios don't bother putting on physical anymore, and they just send yeah. them. And I think I think Amazon just scoops that all up in a big like trough and just says, just give us everything, and we'll see what sticks. So I think that's yeah. what happened there. Yeah, yeah, well, definitely the case of Naked Amazon. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, oh, <laughs> I forgot. I did watch one on Amazon. You just reminded me. I haven't put it down in my letterbox. I haven't even rated it. <laughs> the Midnight Meat Train, Finney Jones and uh, Bradley Cooper. I watched that. I thought that was fucking brilliant. <laughs> that, that's based on a Clive Barker short story. I seem to remember. Yeah. yeah. I'd actually forgotten Bradley Cooper was in it. Because it's good. It's like a fucking slasher through most of it, and and then. And then the Clive Barker of it all comes in at like the last like five five ten minutes of it. <laughs> Fucking great! Mm. What? You shaking your head, Paul? Is that I not shake my head when you talk. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you lost me a Vinnie Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a lot. Matt? Well, yeah, I've got some more. Go for it, if you want it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I watched, uh, so this is on YouTube. Uh, I watched the Japanese Robocop. It's called Lady Battle Cop. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, it's really good. It's really good. Um, I do, I do love it when these countries get hold of, well, maybe it's down to copyright rules and they, and they actually rinse these classic films. So, um, yeah, it's about, it's about this, um, this woman who, who, who gets, gets sort of half, half killed, get, gets put back to life, put in this 
bodysuit. Uh, I think she's a tennis pro, which is I don't know how that works into the into the plot. No, <laughs> uh, she turns into like a female version of Robocop. It's really good, honestly. Seven out of ten, classic. What was that <laughs> called, Simon? That's called Lady Battlecop. Uh, I watched it's one similar called um, Robot Robot Tricks, which is Japanese and. Oh uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally, as well, just to, just to touch on TV, um, I think I mentioned this to you, Matt, a couple of weeks ago, but it was on BBC Two uh, a few weeks ago. Was the uh, Amateurville on Origin Story? Did anybody see that? Uh, yeah, I remember oh, mentioning nice. this to me. Yeah, so so it's a four-parter that just it sort of goes into the um, the myth and. You know the the sort of legend of the Amateurville horror, and um, it's really interesting because they they talk to. I mean, I've, I'm sure you can recall the story, but you've got the um, the family that that moved in in the early 70s, and then the son went berserk and, and killed his entire family, six members, uh, parents and and siblings. So they interview him in prison. Obviously, it's archive footage, and then they talk to the family that the film's based on that move in, and all the stuff starts happening. And then they talked to the author of the book and then the book came out and then they based the film on the book. So it's, um, it's, it's really interesting. And what's more interesting as well, because after I watched it, obviously it gets you really, really interested. I've seen the film for quite a few years, but I went onto Google Earth, um, and I thought I'm going to look up the house. And so I put in, I put in the address, which is, I think it's 112 Ocean Drive. Long Island. Is it Long Island? That's right. Long Island, New York. And they were ping, you know, in the street and then, oops, and you're walking along. And you get to the house, and you've got the houses, the you know, neighbours' houses on either side, and the actual Amsterdam house is blurred out. They've literally blurred the house out. It's so really? weird. Or have they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> nice. yeah, yeah, so I thought it was interesting. But anyway, no, it's, it's a good series, so I'd recommend I that. do want to watch that. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up on, on catch-up. Yeah. All right, then. Cheers for that, Simon. Uh, Matt? Yeah, not much for me, but I did watch... Um, a quite an indie flick, not necessarily horror, but it had some horror elements in it called Triangle of Sadness. It's, 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 okay. I remember really, that one. It's a really good film. I thought it was really, really cool. Like, it's kind of like, um, a real kind of dry kind of, like, it's got lots of meaning in it about, like, basically it's like a load of, like, rich people go on a, a cruise ship and it's, it just breaks them down and then, and, it kind of has a real big social element behind it. It's really clever, and it's actually really funny in places as well. But I definitely recommend going and watch it, but it's not out on our horror. However, I did watch a TV documentary. I don't know if anybody's seen it. Um, the, the, the British Airways Killer. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. I think, um, B-Man, you probably like it. I think it's on ITV. Uh, you can get, get it on catch-up. But um, it's like a, only a, I think it's only like two parts um, about um, a true story where a pilot um, literally uh, murdered his wife. Um, but then it's like there's loads of kind of like interesting things in it where where he was trying to get out of it, saying it was like a, a kind of one off act of violence and he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, but then there's like other stuff that I don't want to spoil that's in the documentary that is really, really weird. And yeah, it's definitely worth, definitely worth a watch. 100%. But yeah, that's all I've really watched this week. Cool. All right, let's get on to some newsy, newsy, news, news. Uh, let's start with our guest, shall we? Oh, I have a, a brief 
uh, item of news. Um, has anybody seen the documentary Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, the history of folk horror? Ooh. It's now it's on uh, it's on Prime. It's a three hour, just over a three hour documentary. It's really good. It's produced by Severin Films in the States. Um, anyway, um, that that dropped a couple of weeks ago. Um, so it came out as a like a physical media box set, like a Blu-ray box set in the States last year. It cost about 200 quid. It was a ton of folk horror films with the documentary. And the lady that was responsible for producing it, I think she's called Kia Lajanis, if I pronounce that correctly. Canadian lady. She's now been. Um, asked by Severin to produce uh, another documentary based on a on a seminal book which I remember buying when I was a student called Killing for Culture. Has anybody ever come across the book Killing for Culture? I recognise that. I recognise the title of it. Definitely. Yeah, well, if I tell you that it's... Uh, basically, it's... it's I'm reading this off, uh, off my notes, but it says, uh, an illustrated history of death film from Mondo to Snuff. So it's a real, you know, edge of the... You know, t- taking it to the edges uh, sort of film book. And it deals with, it deals with all, all sorts of films... So I, I just thought that was a really interesting concept to option as a documentary. I mean, I, how are they going to go about sourcing clips for that? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I get I get the folk horror thing, but I mean, to, to try and make a documentary on Killing for Culture is going to be uh, a, a pretty tall order. But if anyone can do it, she can do it because she's a uh, she, she's a she's a smart lady. So uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I don't know whether it will come out in this country. Uh, it will definitely come out in the states. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, but anyway, yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting. Oh, and also. Um, just just a quick one on, does anybody watch Talking Pictures TV, free TV channel? No. Nope. Is anybody aware of Seller Club on a Friday night with Caroline Munro? No, what's this? No. Right, so so basically on a, on a Friday night, uh, Caroline Munro, we all know from various films, Bond and, um, you know, Hammer Films and uh, all the rest of it, she presents uh, like, a, like a, a sort of horror double bill where she talks about two old horror films and they've got a new, a new season on there. It's about, well, I don't know, three or four weeks in. Um, but it's really interesting, and if you've got like a Skybox or a V-Box or whatever, it's definitely worth recording the films, because they're usually old classics. They can be, I mean, they don't show stuff that's really new, they'll show stuff right, right up to the 90s. Um, but there's some good stuff on there, and there's some stuff that I'd never heard of that they t- that they show, and you, you watch it and you go, I mean, not all of it's great, obviously, but some of it, you like, you watch it and you go, well, actually, that's really good, I never would have heard of it. And she talks about the films, you know, briefly beforehand, and, you know, she's, she's lovely, she's really engaging. So, uh, you know, that, that's just a little recommendation. Nice. What's that on, Simon? That's on Talking Pictures TV. So it's a it's a free TV channel. It's like a they, so basically they specialise in old movies and TV shows and documentaries. Oh, okay. I'm going. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's not an HD channel. It's like standard definition, but it's a brilliant channel. It's really good. Hmm. Maybe, maybe there's a couple of like Wayne's World channels out there now that we need to check out. <laughs> Wayne's World. <laughs> God. <laughs> we could get our own TV show. Let's do it. <laughs> Um, right. What what you got, Jordy Paul? Well, I, I suppose I'm just going to take the, the the big one over the past couple of days is the stills coming out of the Crawl reboot. Oh my god! Right, let's have a debate because oh. <sighs> why has he got it... a mullet? Why has he got a mullet? I <laughs> <laughs> didn't think it was going to happen, right? But we got pictures of Skarsgård all ripped to fuck because he's just done that. He's doing that um, fighting movie, isn't he? Where he's yeah, like. That... Looks quite good. Yeah, um, but he's it's a reminiscent of the comic, right? That's what they that's the look they've gone for. Not not that I know. Well, he's a bit more ripped in the comic. I don't care about the ripped stuff. I'm not, I, I don't want to see stills of some freaking up to date. Let's just make it like for the masses. 
Let's stick Post Malone on the soundtrack. Let's put FKA Twigs as his other half. It's just like, it's a cash grab. It's a cash grab. They've done it because they, they're they going to lose the rights. I'm just tell them how it is. So, it ain't right. going to be any good. I'm we're gonna watch. First. We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch it though. And, and we fight. are gonna watch it. Yeah, of course I am. But I'm going to rip it to shreds. But I mean, yeah. Skarsgård's obviously a great actor. He's but he's got obviously some horror chops. But well, putting it lightly, I suppose. But um, I just, I just the stills. I just it like Matt says. It just looks a bit. I don't know of this time, and it's like cheer fucking mullet. I was like, oh my god, this is a fucking hillbilly. And then the synopsis pissed us off because it was like, oh, she's going to die because of the sins of our past. I was like, I was pretty much, pretty much thought that she was just completely innocent, and that's why his vengeance comes from. But you know, let's say, you know, get with get with the times, Granddad. Yeah, <laughs> not about that. It's, it's not party enough for me, is it? Obviously, he has. All right, fuck you. Let's. There, there's some fucking good news that's like come this week. Bong Joon Bong Joon Ho. Simon. What do you think about the crow? Have you seen the stills? I saw the stills. I didn't really pay much attention to it. I mean, I, I remember watching the other, the original film with Brandon Lee like years ago when it came out, and I haven't really seen it since then. I never saw the sequel, but um, yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see when it comes out. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it didn't really, you know, tickle my pickle, so to speak. Sort <laughs> of. <laughs> it looks all right. I mean, yeah. I, I literally saw it on Facebook and was like, yeah, right, whatever. Next. You know. Hmm. Carry on, Bush. Sorry, mate. That's all right. Bong Joon Ho, fucking the you know the director of uh, Par- the win you know Oscar winner of Parasite. Yeah. Uh, you know we thought about what's what's the key. Oxia. Wow. What keys is he going to get? The movie that he's going to be releasing this year is called Mickey Seventeen, which is being tipped as like an adventure drama sci-fi. Feels quite big. Uh, so big that the cast. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, Robert Patterson, Tony Collette, Stephen Young, Thomas Tegos. I mean... How's he got in there? I know, I love that. <laughs> how's he, how's he, done that? <laughs> he just pops up in random shit, doesn't he? I fucking love that. He's got a I'm good... Um, He's putting a word for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big man of chat. But it sounds all right. Like, I don't know, it sounds... If I go, I go like fucking Black Mirror. To stop his substitute clone, Mickey 8, from supplanting him, Mickey Seven, an expendable robot, is dispatched to an icy planet to settle it. Okay, very sci-fi, I, but it's just gonna be fucking weird, right? So yeah, looking forward to that one. That'll be released. Um, it's been re- moved to March twenty-nine, from March twenty-ninth, twenty twenty-four to January thirty-first, twenty twenty-five. So yeah, we got a while to wait for that one. Uh, we, also, we, saw, <laughs> we also saw the trailer for The Watchers, um, the Ishna, Ishana Night Shyamalan's movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So that that looked interesting. Dakota Fanning, like a, in a box in the woods. In uh, Ireland. In Ireland, yes. Uh, something's watching them. Is it monsters? Is it gnomes? Is it fucking aliens? What the hell? That's very creepy. Gnomes. I don't know. They're fucking arms. Ceramic gnomes just staring at them. <laughs> <laughs> fucking green creatures. What well, with like, the fishing rod? Just like. <laughs> yeah, it could be leprechauns poking at them. I don't know if I can know. So, uh, but, 
looks quite good. Did you see the trailer that I sent you guys? I saw the TV glow from A24. Yes. yes. What the fuck did you think about that? Did Simon, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, what, what did you guys think? It's an A24 movie. <laughs> looks really stylistic. Soundtrack sounds banging. Reminds yep. me a bit of It Follows where yep. with the filming and stuff. But yeah, it looks good. Very young, sort of like cool. It looks cool. Um, it's been sort of a, described as a oh, drama look, it's horror. It's granddad now, eh? Uh, yeah. Drama <laughs> horror. Two teenagers bond over their love of a supernatural TV show, but it's mysteriously cancelled. The cool bits in it look like the bits from the TV show. So there looks like some really like interesting visuals in terms of like uh, monsters and stuff that's on the TV show. So I think that's where it's got me. So we'll see what happens with the rest of it afterwards but i think that's got yep. a release that's got a release date uh this year thing. well with that mm-hmm. the trailer started with that with like flashes of the monsters mm. for me it just went on too long the trailer yeah like, by the end of it i was like oh well all right then yeah. i knew what i would have they had me at the fucking brain monster and i was like fine that'll do yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of a weird one for me it was kind of talked me talked themselves out of the excitement of the film but uh, mm. yeah we'll wait and see should be good Ah, oh, then I've got to talk about Sting. That <laughs> stupid trailer you sent me of the new Spider movie for this year. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, the one I sent, yeah. Yeah, released uh, releasing in theatres in America on April 12th, 2024. Gotta know when we're getting a UK release, but yeah, fuck me, it's another one that's going to set the willies. Big giant not, spiders, brilliant. Not going to lie, Paul, I'm con- if that gets a theatrical release, I'm contemplating getting a flight over to come and watch it with you. <laughs> Just for the entertainment value. <laughs> i sit you in the middle. <laughs> yeah, I might be... Bring a massive spider with you, like a fake one or something. <laughs> I, might be, I might veto that one. Um, right, that's me. Matt, you've got some interesting stuff in you. Yes, I have got some interesting stuff, actually. <clears throat> First of all, one of our friends, this surprised me, literally, has got a book out. Which I was like, whoa. Um, it's called Friends Like These by CJ Rose. Now, CJ Rose is one of our friends. Uh, she's a regular Fright Fester. Uh, she's listened to the pod a couple of times, I believe. And yeah, and she's got a book out. It looks pretty cool. I've ordered a copy. I think Butch, you've ordered a copy as well. Yeah, I've ordered a copy. So it's on Amazon right now. Um, so I suggest there's a there's a Kindle version and an actual book version. I've ordered the book version, but I'll just read a little blurb about the book because it sounds pretty cool. I'm looking forward to reading this one. Um, Lily and Rowan have been best friends since childhood, bound together in friendship as their words, sorry, worlds fall apart. Escaping from their painful past for a shared love of horror movies, they swear each other to secrecy on everything that's been through, they've been through. But every night, Lily is tormented by trauma. She can never escape. Nightmares which are scarier than any horror film. With a fresh start at Ivy University, Lily sees a chance to escape the memories of her painful past. But her past refuses to stay dead. It's not just her memories that haunt her. She believes someone is following her. They're watching and waiting for her to break. When the disappearances and murders begin to surround her, Lily can't help but wonder. With friends like these... Who needs enemies? So that's pretty. Ooh. Sounds good. Yeah, man. It's good. It does sound good. So, yeah, we're definitely going to have to have her on the podcast soon. I've already reached out, so watch this space. But good luck with the book. 
and go out there and get it. It's on Amazon right now. What's it called? Friends Like These. Oh, Friends Like These. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Is that all you got, Matt? Um, I've got one other thing that I oh, really want to talk about. Because this, 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 this kind of thing that's going around viral. Have you seen about the uh, Willy Wonka experience that went wrong? It's hilarious. This, I've got to talk about it because it has got a horror elements. So basically, there's this company that have had um, started this kind of like, it's like uh, immersive events company, right? So they advertised a Willy Wonka experience, right? Bring your child, come to this experience. There's going to be like immersive things, live actors, like loads of chocolate and sweets and all this and amazing worlds to step into. So all these people descended on this warehouse in like, I think it was Glasgow in Scotland. Yeah. And they paid £35 a ticket. And they turned up and literally it was the worst. There's like a, a really like crap bouncy castle in the corner, um, a, a poster on the wall, um, people in really bad wigs, literally no really kind of... It, basically what they'd done, they'd taken um, a script from AI and invented, invented this event around an AI script. <clears throat> Amazing. But the weirdest thing, there's one part where Willy, this guy who's playing the part of Willy Wonka is basically showing there's an enemy right and he's called something like what is it the beyond or something like that and it's literally a guy with a wig and like a really just normal like face mask and he's hiding behind a mirror and literally he's literally coming out and they're like oh my god it's the man from beyond and he's like freaking these kids out like literally giving them nightmares and they didn't get any chocolate they literally got apparently they got like one um, jelly bean and half a cup of lemonade and it's just gone viral and it's I just think it's hilarious it's so funny there's yeah, a great funny. name Matt with uh, the guy the guy that's dressing up like you said and it's uh, it coincides with uh, the demons you know demons the film it literally <laughs> looks like that yeah it's oh. freaky man it's, yeah. it's just hilarious it's gone viral and like even apparently somebody set up a GoFundMe for the employees because they felt so bad for like, there's a woman with a really bad wig. She's supposed to be an Oompa Loompa. And it looks like she's literally in Breaking Bad because she's got like, she looks like she's making crystal meth. But she <laughs> literally just stood there looking really sad. It's so funny. Oh, you've got to check it out, man. So good. Yeah, let's go. Let's go, let's go visit. <laughs> Take the kid. All right, cool. Let's do it then. Come on, let's fucking get on to our main review for episode 150. A real banger. Let's go. We have breaking news at the top of the hour. Political terrorist Allegra Dyer Rodriguez escaped from Evan Detention Center in Louisiana. Hand on the bottle. Authorities encourage citizens to contact them immediately so she could be brought to justice. Okay, so uh, this week's main review um, is we've been to Shudder, and it's the new film from Shudder called The History of Evil. So, uh, a quick plot synopsis. Um, a family on the run from a corrupt state takes refuge in a safe house with an evil past. All I can do is apologise on behalf what happened of... What 
Did I leave? Hey. What happened? Oh, I didn't leave. Sorry. <laughs> I wish you would. No, I mean, like... <laughs> so, guys, what did we think of this? Well, i got some good to say about this. So, Of course you have. Of course you have. <laughs> got to find the good. Optimistic. Positive. So, the movie's set in 2045. I know why you like it. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like Trump's reign of terror, <laughs> I'll, I'll call it, has sort of come to fruition. And, I don't know, the fascists are in charge. And then we've got the, the North American Federation. And then you've got a sort of Star Wars twist. You've got the resistance fighting the power. So we've got the start of Star Wars, like the very low key in, uh, you know, in, in, in this. And it's sort of the start of a cheesy, I don't know, Black Mirror episode. Um so, you know, we're in a fascist state and we've got the leader of the resistance, apparently, um, trying to get back to her, 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 the, the camp so she can, you know, fight the fight the good fight. Um, but then along the way, they sort of like stay in a safe house, which isn't a safe house as such, um, where, I don't know, the, the, the real evilness of the past sort of confronts them. So, you know, you've got the fascists around them hunting them and also the the fascists from the past also sort of getting a getting a few digs in at them as well has the potential and the idea of being a really really good story um unfortunately they didn't quite deliver that with this approach (laughs) they 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 sort of um Concentrated on really shit, uh, hallucinogenics, dream sequences, um, and rustling bags, deep breathing. So, which I thought was quite creepy. So there you go. It's me. I think, I think it's interesting you picked up on the whole Trump thing, because I exactly thought the same thing. It was like, you know, what if Trump gets in again and he's actually a zombie and he stays in power forever and he gets worse and worse? I mean, that's exactly what I thought. It's quite, um, sc- quite a scary thought. <laughs> and that is true horror, isn't it? I mean, it really is. Um, you know, trying to look for positives before we actually rinse it, because I think that that might happen. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting that there was that they were up against horror from you know outside, like these fascists, like we were talking about, and also inside. So I thought that was quite an interesting idea. You know, as soon as they go outside, they've got the drones, they've got these guys turning out the guns, and then there's stuff. Well, we, we won't spoil it, but not much to spoil really. But you go inside, and there's stuff kicking off inside that's obviously supernatural and all, all the rest of it. I mean, I thought that the script writers had been watching like The Handmaid's Tale and The Walking Dead and thought, oh, oh that's trendy, dystopian, um, you know, thriller. Got halfway through, got fed up with it and then thought, I know, we're going to throw in, what's our favourite horror film? Oh, The Shining. Well, let's throw in big bits of The Shining because it's a bit like the bit with the guy when he's talking to the, to the, well, whatever it is in the, in the basement is like, is like, um, is it Sam Torrance from the Shining Jack Nicholson's character? Mm. Um, or is he the golfer? I can't remember, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, Jack Torrance. So he's, Sam he's, talk, he's drinking and he's talking to the guy and then he's been persuaded to do these outrageous acts. And I thought it was exactly the same as the Shining. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's not great. It's not great. And it also it wasn't scary. It was so boring. I mean, yeah. you know. I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of like token jump scares that are thrown in and you're like oh, for god's sake and what's all that about and then it just doesn't really go anywhere i mean a first time director i believe so you know he's, he's done it's a not lot of directed or acted i didn't think production was all right it was yeah yeah i think yeah i mean the the acting was 
was good. The actors were Paul good. Wesley, they could act. You know, we had, but we had Paul it was Wesley a complete snorefest. It was a complete snorefest. Mm. Like, I was like, it was such a, I thought, oh, it could be a slow burn. But for me, it was just like, like literally halfway through it, I wanted to get my phone out. I just, I was just, and, and not a lot, of mo- a lot of movies make me want to do that. But I was just, I was just so bored. And, and like the main, the woman that was supposed to be, I can't remember her name now because literally I've not even bothered, but she was supposed to be the, the leader was the most un kind of like I just how is she Unmo- unmotivational yeah and like couldn't find she's a supposed reason. to be this big kind of like terrorist she was so like meh it was just yeah. like oh god it's just like and I just kept waiting for something to happen and like literally like you said Paul like a wheezy bag in the corner was about the scariest it got and they must what? have really pushed out the effects for that a little bit of wind in a plastic bag I was just like, "What? Come on, give so me some trouble." Then, I mean, the the the, the there was okay. Paul, let's hear you, and then let's 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 just go into it for a little bit. Do you want me to say it? Do you want the quiz? Just have it. It was fucking shite. <laughs> <laughs> um, lads, I can't I sort of echo what you're saying. Um, it was a film of many ideas and not a clue about any of the ideas. So. It started off with this really sinister sort of like, uh, you know, the subtitles before explaining what the world has gone to and say, like, ooh, and then, you know, it's this world where like, you know, there's, there's this state and they shoot people and all the sets it up for this like grand thing. Then it turns into some sort of weird ghost story. And then like Simon Hunter and Poor Man's, compl- I say Poor Man's Shining. It's like the homeless man shining. It was horrendous. It was be horrible to the homeless. But then what a film that, at the end, then sort of shoehorn the female empowerment message. But, like, the whole focus on the film was the, the dad. And right. Actually, so I've got, I got an idea. I've got an idea what they were trying to do, right? You know, he, the dad is sort of like, you know, speaking to the old racist, basically, from the... From, from this, yeah, from this house. Um, who, you know, the, probably the pivotal scene in this is when he's fucking walking up the stairs and nothing but his kecks... Um, that was quite good. That it didn't make sense, Paul. It didn't no. make sense, but I don't, I don't care. It was still quite creepy and weird, and that that gets me. But like, so he was having these conversations and slowly turning into this, like, um, this guy was being almost being manipulated, like similar, like the Jack Torrance, um, into you know changing, sort of like becoming what they're running away from, which was quite clever, if you think about it. And then when he goes to sort of enact the, um actions of what he used to as in like you know he had a gun and he was going to blow away his blow away her and he instead he kills himself once they do that it sort of then all the ghosty things which weren't really that prevalent throughout apart from a couple of tiny moments what? suddenly show themselves and kick kick the malicious ass or they don't you know? show themselves and just have a load of off-screen kills yeah so there was an element of there was a slight story and a nice little tie-up but it's like a, too long to get there, and there wasn't enough elements and and act or any kind of anything to sort of go along to that moment, really. But they didn't. They didn't go like for me. If you're gonna start doing stuff like this, right? Like, I so he, obviously he's talking to a, a ghost of a Ku Klux Klan 
captain or whatever, and he, who murdered his whole family, he went off the rails, right? And then they allude to the house being evil, and there's like black goo and stuff, right? But if you're going to do it, why did he not... T- and that, this might sound controversial, but he kind of just went after his wife instead of actually... What would a Ku Klux Klan member do? He'd go after the helper who was of a certain ethnic origin. They didn't do any of that stuff. And... I mean, like, you go, well, you're going to be a bit racist, but we're not going to be too racist because we're living in a world where if we're too racist, we'll get called out on it. And you're like, well, it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. Nothing. And then, yeah, like the militia. This, to be fair, guys, there was a bit of tension when the militia first turned up, right? And they're starting to go around. And then, you know, and there was a bit of, like, acting where. But, this, like, again, the dad, he's obviously been, this, this woman's been in prison for so long for being this righteous leader right he's so relieved he's he's obviously had to raise his daughter to a point like where she's hardly met her mother he's so relieved to have her back and then instantly without any real reason turns into an absolute knobhead and there's no like slow degeneration like in the shining where it's handled like very like you know expertly it's like oh yeah she doesn't want you to be a man anymore and you're like oh i'll show you and then it became like like i said it's that walk thing where you're like well you can do that type of stuff but then don't don't give me a female empowerment story at the end when you've just sidelined all your female characters through the whole film. Also, the little girl, she got misused. I thought, oh, God, they're going to use her quite a lot. But she just got fouled by the by the wayside. I, I have a question as well. What happened to the dog? <laughs> it ran away. <laughs> it ran away. Oh, get me collar off. I'm away. It's in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dog house of evil. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think we all agree on this, but that, that final monologue was just, it was like they were trying to justify or, 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 you know, read something into what had been, you know, 85, 90 minutes of dross. I mean, it was pants. It, it, you know, you can't, you, there's nothing to read in here. You know, there's nothing to see her move on sort of thing. But where's she going at the end? So they're not allowed to leave the house because it's too dangerous. They've got to be picked up by the resistance, but they just drive off at the end. Where's she going? And then, Find the dog. They get to this house, right, which has drones over it, and they're searching for her. There's this massive manhunt, you know, because she's the leader of this massive resistance. And it's like number one political, like, you know, they need Bad her ass, apparently. Yeah, they go to a house, abandoned house in the woods, and turn all the bloody lights on. <laughs> yeah, it's questionable. Um, Apart from that, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Oscar worthy. <laughs> The poster didn't even lend itself to anything like fantastic. It's a it's a boob. It's a bit of a boob for what can we say? That's that's uh, you know we got some ghosties rattling chains. You know the kid the kid wearing the kid wearing the so the the MVP was the kid wearing the fucking um, what do you call it the hood and running around you know playing fucking hide and seek with it. And then, and then she was like perched on a chest of drawers, and then suddenly did the whole jump scare thing. That was it. That was a jump scare. And her sort of engagement with the ghost was completely underplayed. That that's probably what they should have focused on the child with the spirits more that's what I than the, were do. more that's than the dad. That's what they were go. More than the dad with the the old racist. If we if they'd left that alone and just concentrated on the kid with a creepy house and the ghosts, I think we'd have had a some sort of movie there. This is a girl, right? The friends of the family ghosts that were murdered horribly, right? And then when the fascists come round, the, the ghosts defend the child against the fascists because, you know what I mean? 
then that makes a string of sense. But it just it was just like, what is going on in this film? Yeah, we didn't we didn't need that that sort of drinking whiskey down in the basement at all. Can I can I ask a question though? So you know the dad killed himself, right? So the dad shoots himself in the head at the end. Does he do that to then become a ghost? Is he the one that's killing all the fascist people at the end? Well, well no, because because they obviously they show us at certain stages that the the bag, the breathing bag, was obviously the the person in the um, cupboard, and then there was a woman with chains, wasn't there? Yeah, oh, right, so it's them. Yeah. Stop open. yeah. Right. But there, there was a really dumb scene that I got to pick up on. The, the fact that, um, uh, what's it, their sort of, um, helper lady who's sort of trying to get them to the place, uh, what was her name? Trudy. And, um, <laughs> she comes out of a gun and the other militia guys behind her with a big gun and they're like, ah, they, they suddenly miss each other? Why not? Uh, she, she shoots him in the leg. <laughs> Yeah, it's dumb. That bit's dumb because they just don't see each other for like about 30 seconds. Also, I must say, I just before we finish on this, they go through at the start the worst checkpoint I've ever seen in my life where yeah. they just scan the bands on their feet and think, oh, yeah, that's right. It, it, you know, they are the people that they say they are. They don't look at the faces. No. Well, um, it's very good job, Bible. But do you know what was funny though? The guard picks that child's leg up, right? Now, I'm not saying I'm the most observational person in the world, but I know that a body that has been in a body bag for a while to get transported would be quite cold. <laughs> not, the child's leg is warm. It's just, it's just yeah, that's weird. stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. You know, um, could they not have got a coffin? You know, sealed, open a coffin. I'd, I'd, yeah, it was just, just daft, daft. So then, ending on a high of 150 episodes, History of Evil. <laughs> Let's rate this bad boy, because I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Ah, oh, there's more important things to talk about. We've got Simon to talk talk to. Let's talk to him. <laughs> well, first, as the guest. Oh, that that yeah. really is a History of Evil. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good name. History yeah. of Evil. And there's good potential there is potential, but it I was didn't. thinking with the name History of Evil, I thought, oh, this is going to be a dirty little bastard of a film, and it wasn't. Yeah. So, go on, Simon, you, you you rate it first, mate. As well, clearly, clearly, it's a ten. Obviously, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. minus. No, I, I gave it two stars on Letterboxd, so four out of ten. I, th- I, I mean, I think we were saying earlier, looking for positives, there were a few ideas in there. It wasn't executed particularly well. The acting was all right. The production values were all right. You know, first time director. Yeah, I mean, we've watched it. I wouldn't ever go back to it. Yeah, four out of ten. I, I echo that. So, there you go, four four from me. I imagine it's going to go lower with the next two. So, let's go to Matt first and then see how low it can actually get. <laughs> I, I, I think, like I said, acting was good. It's just a shame. It's just so, so boring that I give it a three out of ten. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Jordy Paul. Really I'm gonna give it a big fat two out of ten. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I four. gave Night Swim three, didn't I? Or four. So, and I enjoyed Night Swim more than that. So, two out yeah. of ten. I really didn't like it, guys. I just thought it was crap. And and like you say, ideas. Just seen them all before. Done better. Uh, much better. So yeah. Poor, poor vampires. And apologies. Not not early enough for me. 
<laughs> All right, cool. That's a draw one last breath. Three out of ten. Rough maths. So there we go. All right, moving swiftly on. Let's uh, get on to our something to scream about. What do you want from me? Why don't you run from me? What are you wondering? What do you know? Why aren't you scared of me? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Our something to scream about. Obviously, we got Simon on, and I would like to ask you a few questions about your first encounter with horror. So, yeah, tell me about it. Well, okay. Um, so I had to think about this because you did give me a heads up. So I think, I think it was when I was really young, and I think it sounds like a cliche, but I think it was Doctor Who. I know it's not actually horror, but when you're about four or five years old, and I'm I'm over fifty now, so the first doctor i can properly remember was Todd baker so we're going back to the i don't know the mid 70s say it was around about that time um and you know people talk about this but i was one of those kids that when it came on and my parents weren't into horror or or anything quite the opposite really but when it came on it seemed to be always on the telly you know whatever time up or six on a saturday afternoon saturday evening I would hide behind the sofa and it would, the music would absolutely terrify me. Um, that was then followed up. Again, I don't know why they did this. My parents had some friends over from Wales who had a couple of older daughters. And I was, oh, again, I was probably about, well, I thought I was about four. My mum thinks I was a bit older. So say I was about six or seven, but they took us to Longley. I think I've talked to you about this, Matt. Yeah. And, and we, um, we went to the Doctor Who exhibition at Longley and, Funny enough, it coincided with the first time that I ever drank a full can of Coke. So I was a little <laughs> nipper. I was all, I was all, all high on sugar. And there was all these Daleks and Cybermen walking about and it absolutely scared the life out of me. And I honestly think looking back, that's where it began. And rather than put me off, and I guess it would put some people off, I just became more, more curious. And then I think as I got older, you know, I became aware of, of certain horror films, you know, three channels back then. But you would catch bits of films like The Omen. And I remember going to my cousin's house in Bristol and we sat down. I think the parents must have gone somewhere. We watched the Vincent Price film House on Haunted Hill from 1959, which is a really good film, William Castle film. I remember watching that. So that's probably the first full length horror film that I ever watched. And um, and it, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's like we all have our like memories of going to a video store to get our but poor Simon's like pre-video store. <laughs> Not that one. That's right. I'm really old. I'm really old. Yeah, I'm going back to be coughing after this. You know. <laughs> I sleep for a couple of weeks. Um, and let, let me just say, it's way past my bedtime. Oh, honestly, I'm into something. Um, anyway, so so that was kind of the start, and and I got interested in, in reading horror novels as well. So I got into Stephen King and James Herbert and Sean Hudson and people like that at quite a young age. I remember reading the novel of The Omen when I was. About 11 or 12, I was really young. And my mum, again, got it out of, the, of, our, of our library for me to read. So that was a, that was an interesting one. Um, and then I, I remember... Li- the, hang on, back up. You had a library? Yeah, back in the little village in Wiltshire where I was brought oh, up in the library. Like, yeah. I got it from the library. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you said you had a library. I was like, you're that posh. <laughs> oh, I had a library, yeah. Well, I used to own most of the village. Oh, yeah, so he's a count, so he's got a big castle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> They are the Count. That's my name. You can call there me that. you go, Simon the Count. Um, so anyway, I, and, and I think the, the other little touch points would be the BBC Horror Double Bills. 
I don't know if you remember them. I think they started around about the mid-70s and went on to the early 90s. Uh, I think they might have had a break in the 80s at some point, but they came back anyway. But, you know, they started off showing, like, Universal Horror Films and Hammer and Amicus and stuff like that. Um, and I remember watching bits of those, so they made a big impression on me. And then I think when I got to, you know, my teens, particularly later in my teens, I got into, like, tape trading. Um, and obviously the, we had problems with the BBFC at that point. James Furman was in charge. He was he banned everything. You couldn't watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You couldn't watch The Exorcist. You couldn't watch Clockwork Orange, although that, that wasn't down to him. But there was so much stuff you couldn't watch. So it was literally, I would go and buy Dark Side magazine. I'd go to the classifieds at the back, and there'd be guys selling, you know, fifth-generation copies of uh, I Spit on Your Grave and SS Experiment Camp. And I would literally send off a cheque or cash. And there was a, I, I shan't say his name on the pod, but there was a guy up in York who I was particularly friendly with. And uh, I think it was 16 quid for two films. And every every week or so, I get this little package come in the post, and it was really exciting. And I'd, and I'd open it, and it was a bit. It was like a TDK or you know, Memorex tape, and you get you get these video nastings. Yeah, and and then when I when I became a student, and I went down to Exeter for three years, um, and you know, you're in a you know a hall of residence, and uh, um, well, funny enough, I actually shared a house and and uh, for, for two or three years with Pat Higgins, who who's gone on to direct a few horror films. So he he had a video recorder. So he he would bring stuff like like Dead Heat and Night of the Creeps and Night of the Comet and stuff like that. And we'd watch that. And that was my first experience of those films. And then, you know, I would unleash Cannibal Ferox and, um, you know, Driller Killer and stuff like that. And, you know, I got a bit of a reputation for making people watch these films. And, you know, there was quite a few of my fellow students, particularly females, that would be going out afterwards looking fairly ashen faced into the student union bar thinking, what the hell have I just been made to sit through? You know, <laughs> uh, so I think I think that they were big. They were big touch points. And then. Uh, something else I want to mention as well when I was down in down in Devon. Um, so I got to the third year of my course and I was doing design arts and media. So it's like a, a sort of a sort of mixed arts course. And they were talking about like degree show pieces. Anyway, so I was into all this, uh, you know, fairly out there horror. So I decided to uh, to make a documentary, a 20 minute documentary called uh, Real Life Violence in the Media. Because back then, 90s, you know, you had well, it's just come back recently. You had shows like uh, Gladiator. Uh, you know, pretty full on, very physical shows. Uh, you've been framed, you know, with people getting knocked over by massive dogs and falling off, <laughs> kids falling off swings, everybody laughing. Casualty, obviously filmed in Bristol, some of the best special effects you'd ever see. Um, you know, so I did this documentary and I, and I was kind of building up to well, what, what I didn't, there was a simulated snuff film where I got, God only knows why, but I got one of my fellow students to sit down and she, she acted as if she was kidnapped. We wore these uh, these pig masks. We tied her up, and then we brought in a suitcase full of tools, pretending to torture her, just to just to show that snuff films aren't, or certainly commercial snuff films don't exist. We we did this just to sort of prove the point that anyone can simulate stuff like this. And then I recorded it over and over again on videotape, so it got really dodgy quality, it got very grainy. <laughs> so you couldn't really see what was going on. So anyway, so it came to the actual show, and the parents were coming to visit the university and all the rest of it. And um, I was very pleased because my film got banned. They refused to show it. So <laughs> I, can tell you, and I, and I don't know if you'll ever hear this, but Pat Higgins was really jealous that my my video got banned. In <laughs> <a second>. So, <laughs> so that was you could, that was you could never reach those heights of being banned. I mean, yeah, I just, I yeah. Simon, have you still got the video? It's a bit like Ring This, isn't it? Um, yeah, I have. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years. It's it's on video. I've got it in a box somewhere. Oh, I need to transfer it. it. I mean, God, I mean, jeez. It's pretty ropey, but it's it's interesting. If I can are, you sure, are you sure it's not real? Is there something you want to tell us? 
Not at the moment. Give me 10 minutes. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> comment. Um, I'm only going to speak to you through my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so, uh, so yeah, so that, that's kind of the touch points growing up. And then, you know, say so after that, um, I remember going up to London, you know, coming from the West Country, didn't get to go up there an awful lot, but going up to London and in Camden, they had a brilliant, I don't know if anyone went, a brilliant film store called, called Psychotronic. Did anyone ever go there? No. Just off Camden Market in a basement. And um, I remember going there in the early 90s. I mean, obviously it's long gone now. And um, if you were nice to the guy that ran it, you'd have all these illicit films on pirate, pirate video. It's so I'm actually you're basically living the movie censor. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And, and that's based on these sort of experiences, I think. And I, I remember very clearly um, buying um, Necromantic 1 and 2 from him with you know, really good you know, quality uh, videos and colour copied covers, really lurid artwork. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I've really arrived now. This is it, you know. So, um, so I remember doing that. And I think that led on to this massive passion with physical media, you know, I've got, you know, as you well know, Matt, I've got thousands of DVDs and, and Blu-rays, um, literally, and um, absolutely obsessed with, you know, not not just like classic and mainstream horror, but but trying to find the real sort of bizarre out there gems. And I think that's been one of the things that I've strived to do, uh, you know, throughout my sort of horror life, if you like. Um, but yeah, it's been a lifetime's passion. Um, and, and I think also the two things I'll say. One thing is, obviously, meeting most of you guys for the first time tonight, you, you meet horror fans, and you know what it's like when you go to, to festivals and film fairs. Horror fans are some of the nicest people you ever meet. They're just so honest. You share a passion that other people might call weird, but it's not. It's not. It, it comes from a place of goodness, I think. Um, you know, so so that's a, that's a really positive thing. Um, mm. and, and the second thing is that horror can take you down these rabbit holes that are really interesting, like no other genre. So you can, one minute you could be watching like Nightmare on Elm Street or, uh, Hills of Eyes. Next minute you could be watching like Turkish Exorcist, you know, <laughs> you can, which is on YouTube, by the way. But you can <laughs> literally, you can literally, you can literally go down a, this rabbit hole and it, and, and it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. And it's global as well. Horror yeah. is really global. And horror, horror is brave and it always does things first and it always does things that no other genre is prepared to do. And that's what I think I love about it. Yeah. I'm, just looking, at, I'm just looking up your, pay, your mate Pat Higgins though. Oh yeah. He wrote Strippers versus Werewolves, which he is did, that's right, yeah. that one. And uh a couple of years ago he did Power Tall Cheerleaders versus the Boy Band of the Screeching Dead, which was the last movie at Fright Fest, I believe. That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that one, but um yeah. So I think that's I think I read a post from recently it's coming out on streaming soon. So. Mm. I've seen a couple of his early films. I was in some of his early films when we were students. Not not the films that have obviously gone on to be released, but that that was fun. That was fun. So it was good, you know, it was good times, good times back then. So uh, that is fascinating. So there <laughs> we go. I can honestly, I can waffle on about it all night. You'd all be asleep and crying or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a long time. And yeah, I'm fifty four now, and I've been watching horror films since since those early days of Doctor Who, really. I mean, you you've obviously we've chatted about your extensive uh, amount of collection that you've got. I know this is probably a really, really hard question, but what would you say is your, you know, the one movie, horror movie that is your go to, which is your, your staple, which is your, would you say, I, it's hard to say favorite because it's like, you know, there's so many genres and so many, mm. what mood you're in, but what, what would you say is your one, one film that you're like, 
I can't go without that. That's just. I too. Yeah. Can have two. <laughs> can have two. We'll let you. Two hundred. Twenty-five. No. Um, no, I would say probably it was like, okay. So if it's only one, I would say The Exorcist because I, I remember when I first saw it. So it was, it was banned on video. It wasn't. A, it was before the you know the the Redux version came out of the cinema as the version you'd never see. Mm. And I remember I was working in in, in an office and. I was in my teens and one of the ladies there, her husband had just bought a load of tapes from a video store that was shutting down and she had a copy of The Exorcist which, and she was telling me about it and, and you just hear all these stories of people actually went to see it at a time and, you know, it's absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah, you know, so there were people fainting and somebody committed suicide and all the rest of it and you're like, God, this film is based on a true story, which apparently is, loosely, and eventually I got to watch it. It took me three days. I was and I was on my own and I was watching like the first five minutes. Oh God, that's so scary. Turn it off. Put it on again the next night. Watch another ten minutes or whatever, you know. And so it took me ages to get through it, but it stayed with me. And I think it's not it's not just the special effects and the you know the sort of more gratuitous scenes. I think it's just the the whole thing has just got an aura about it. That I mean, I know Mark Kermode loves it because it's his favourite film, mm-hmm. but I would absolutely agree. And the second one I would mention is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think that's an extraordinary piece of work. I mean, it was made under the most trying circumstances. It was so hot. They had literally offal and bones and stuff from local butchers. And, you know, it was rotting in front of them. And I think, you know, they got ripped off. You know, they didn't make any money from it. And, you know, I I was lucky enough to meet Gunnar Hansen a couple of times. And he he was a lovely bloke. And he was telling all these stories. And he made no money from it whatsoever. I don't think anybody made any money. And I think it wasn't there a story that it was bankrolled by the mafia or something. I mean, I don't know how true that is, but... It's, it's absolutely fascinating. But it's a film that you watch it and it just upsets you. you don't, and there's not much on-screen gore, if any. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just the whole sort of, it's got a presence that, you know, is probably lacking in a lot of other films that I've seen. So I would say those two, but I mean, you know, I'm sa- same as you guys. You could just reel off like tons that you get, you absolutely mm. have, you know, and you could just watch it all the time. The great thing, Simon, about The Exorcist, for me anyway, is that any, you watch it at different stages of your life and it means different mm. things at different yeah, stages. definitely watch it even now you've seen it many many times you go like like ever since like when i became a dad it suddenly means something different as a child involved and it's yeah it's such a great great film and every time you watch it it just gets better and better and i agree with you texas chainsaw massacre is the scariest film i've ever seen yeah it's, yeah, yeah it, it terrifies me yeah 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 i love the fact that uh, you know all these stories about the making of, of the exorcist and, and you know i Freaking was such a bastard on set. He'd, he'd fire a gun next to somebody's ear, to, or he'd slap. Um, what's his name? Who played uh, Father Karras? He'd slap him in the face to get the right reaction. And you know, apparently Linda Blair suffered back injuries. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. Ah, it's a shame you can't make movies like that anymore. No, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. So, uh, so anyway, so so I would say those two. But you know, I could, you know, I love Italian horror and Spanish horror and mm. and. Uh, oh, and a big shout out to some of the horror from, from East Asia as well, which is incredible. There's a brilliant film. I don't know if it'll ever come on streaming. Uh, it, it did come out on DVD years ago, but it's called Mystics in Bali, which is an absolute, well, absolute brain fuck of a film. It's incredible. It's got flying heads sucking fetuses out of women's, between women's legs. And it's, it's just, you just don't get these films anymore. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, In Search of Darkness. That was in that Search of Darkness, yeah. Oh, was that on there? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, which it's, mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's just, but the thing is, it's so creative. I know it's a bad taste scene that I've just quoted there, but these films are so creative. Um, 
But yeah, anyway, so yeah, I could bang on about it all night, but uh, yeah. you, I think recommended things. You recommended some amazing films to me, and I'm so glad I got to watch them. Like some really crazy stuff, and I'm really, really happy you did because that we've watched some of them because it's awesome. It's really, really good. Any questions you want to ask about us at all? I do actually. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions that I thought might be fun. Um, so, in no order, then uh, first question. I haven't got too many, and there's nothing dodgy. Don't you worry. No, no oh. monster questions. Or anything. Uh, so firstly, anyway, anyway, no, that'll come later on the uncut version. First question then: um, What's your favourite movie that you've covered on the podcast? Oh, I know, you, I know, just yours, Paul. That is a fucking. Uh, I, I can answer that. I can answer that well, quite straight away. I remember it. It's um, Night of the Comet for me. Uh, it was a double header of like Night of the Comet and Night of the Creeps, and those two fucking movies just like. I'd never seen them or heard of them. And I don't even know how we, I don't know how they just came about. I think it was your pick. Both of them were your pick, Matt. I think mm-hmm. none of the comet was just fucking so fantastic. Like discovering like a, a horror icon, Kelly Maroney and stuff like that. And like in that simple role and such a simple concept that it's just delivered. Like it, I, I love like dystopian movies they're like the ones where you sort of survive against all odds and those two and the and, and the comedy elements and, and the horror you know in it as well in, in in there as well but like the fucking punch in the face was just one of my favorite things that i've ever seen in my face i could watch that again and again and again yeah not not the comment for me definitely <laughs> yeah Charlie paul I have two. <laughs> well, no, I suppose from different ends of the spectrum. So, like, the, I think the favourite, like, newer film I've seen, um, well, well, covering the pod is definitely Pearl. That That is just one of the best films I've seen. Um, it's so good, uh, the way it's shot. And it's just, yeah. Um, and then, as well, the movie from the vault one's the easy one, in it? Invasion of the Body Snatchers, all the way. <laughs> that, like, completely shocked me at how brilliant I thought it was and like I'd so normally I really find like struggle to find the time to watch the films anyway and I watched I think well I did I watched it like twice before we did the pod and I've watched it twice since it's I just love it I, I think it's so good how I'd I, never love, I love that I love that I, and it's like in my top 20 films of all time now it's definitely in there because it, it, it's just so good and it, it got right under my skin and yeah it's just repeat viewing it just gets better and better and better so yeah that's quite an easy one if i was going new i think for the whole experience around it it'll be host because like getting to talk to the, uh you know jed shepherd and and having the we don't do a lot of interviews it's not really our thing but like we we sort of blagged our way into something which is quite interesting and then have the sort of two of the actresses sort of pop on and we didn't well. even know that two of the actresses were going to be there we just thought it was going to be Jed Shepard on his own <laughs> uh, and, and just that movie like the fucking uh, I, I, like the time you know where movies are just like of a time like that was just so clever to come up with that in amongst what that everything else that was going on I thought it was just and it, it's fucking generally terrifying in bits it's fucking scary as fuck it really is yeah, yeah it was Jesus. the only good thing to come out of the pandemic <laughs> Yeah. What was it? I met my I met my wife, so <laughs> I'll ask you in ten years. <laughs> you want to ask not him. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Go on, Emma. I'm interested to hear what you have got to say. That's, well, I've got two as well. One of them was Class of Newcomb High, because that was fucking brilliant. And that, the talk on that was just insane, because um, I just enjoyed it so much. And I didn't think I would, and it was one that I'd never seen before. And I, you just kept banging on about, oh, yeah, I watched it when I was a kid. And, and I just thought, oh, it's going to be a nostalgia thing. And it's just like, I'm probably just going to be like, eh. But I fucking loved it, and it's just so cool. And I love chatting about it. And I'd say the other yeah, one... and I love that Paul hated it. <laughs> well, that's, like, that's definitely not in my wheelhouse, 100%. But... I wonder if you watched it again. It's just, after all this, it's just all mental. This <laughs> I was thinking, crazy. I was literally just about to say, Paul, I wonder if I watched it again, because I think he's softened me to some of this stuff, so I'll probably enjoy it a bit more. I'll, I'll give it a bit more credit. It's still... I, th- I, think, I, think, I think Jordy Paul needs to go and watch Dead Heat, because I think that'd be just, that's so in your wheelhouse. Yeah, 100%. Um, and the other one I'd say, which I really did enjoy, again, was uh, Wicker Man, when we talked about that. Yeah. When we covered that, because that was really interesting. Carl had so much to say about it. it was so yeah, exactly. to to it, was, it. <laughs> it was very interesting. And I think that's what I liked about it. It was just the whole chat about the film and stuff. But many many episodes I've, I've loved, um, you know, interview episodes I've really liked, but to do that was a big thing um, and it was really cool so yeah yeah excellent good choices all around there and so okay then so what's the most well-known horror film that you haven't seen but you'd like to see and cover for the pod going forward peace then well are we going to address the elephant in the room jaws isn't it (laughs) i can't i don't know if i could do it I don't know. I t- yeah, that'd be a hard one to do, I think, because it's, it's just... It's the easiest film in the world to do. <laughs> yeah. So, there was a bit of a debate for the 150, because basically Butch was like, what do I pick? And I, all I did was go... Maybe we'll get a 200, and then, uh, you know... Of course you will. Of course you will. Yeah. I think, like, um, some of the 90s ones that we haven't done yet, like... Um, I don't know, like... Blair Witch Project would be one. Yep. Um, Science of Lambs would definitely be, definitely be, definitely be one that, um, we've done a lot though. Like a lot of the big ones. I keep, unless I keep, keep, um, thinking about like ones that we haven't done, you know, and we have done a lot of the, a lot of the biggies. Back to old Nosferatu because I've never seen it and I want to. So. And probably go back to a bit of uh, you know Wolfman and do a bit of do yeah. a, do the old Universal would be quite fun. Yeah, I think yeah. Matt talked about Freaks a few episodes ago. That's that would be a good call. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. never seen it as well. Elephant Man, that's never seen. Cool. But I don't know if that's really a horror or is that just me poking fun at a guy who's got a disability? Not really sure. Not really a horror, but uh, <laughs> I'd quite like to do some more Hitchcock. I'd love to do Psycho. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a biggie. Go on, see it, Paul. Go on, see it. <laughs> No. Go on, Matt. What about you? Oh, I don't really know. I I can't think off the top of my head, really, because like you, we have you, done so you much. You always go to Cujo. I know. Yeah, that's yeah, that's probably. But I've seen that. So if, if this, but yeah, Cujo we haven't done. There's a, there's probably a couple of um, carpenter ones we haven't done yet. There's there's a few there's a few kind of um, movies. Of, of like twos and threes and fours that we haven't even got to yet. Um, you know, 
So they're, they're definitely on the cards. I've got, yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a, I would I say. I would love to do demonic toys at some stage. Because mm. mm. that's like a, that's one that we watched over and over again as kids and stuff. Mm. If I'm, if I'm, haven't seen, to be fair, Simon, like from previous episodes that the guys have already done. Um, so yeah. like, you know, um, there's been a bit of like homework involved. So I, like things like Night of the Comet, I haven't seen. So um, yeah, but. Dead Heat is your homework <laughs> this, for the next two weeks. No worries. I'll get on it. But yeah, I mean, I really enjoy, other than like, obviously that, I, I, I really enjoy finding ones that we've not all seen. Because I've just seen so many good, like in, Intruder was a great one. Um, you know, there's just so many, not even classics, just movies I've never ever seen. And when I see them and I really like them, I'm like, how did I miss this? Slumber Party Massacre. Slum- you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Mutilator. Sleepaway. 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 Oh, yeah. I'd love to watch one where I can find a hook in the puss again. That would be amazing. <laughs> said it. That's the only reason I agreed to come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and Simon had a, a bingo that, that you would say that. So Yeah. I've got to oh, drink a pint of blood now. Sorry. It's not really a Sorry. <laughs> better questions than we come up with. <laughs> no. uh, you know, I like to plan. I've got a final question, very, very, very briefly then. So what's the most disturbing horror movie you've ever seen? Well, I mean, I, I, did, I suppose it did define disturbing, I suppose. The scariest one, like I said, is that it freaks me out, is um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I get freaked out by Deliverance quite a lot, but I have this like fear of like hillbillies being anally raped. <laughs> yeah, well, just like because there are people in this world, I believe, like that. <laughs> so anything like, even though they're not the best films, like Wrong Turn and stuff, freak me out. But I think disturbing wise, Salo has got to be one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen. And, uh, and um, Martyrs. Oh, Martyrs, of course, yeah. Mm, that's a tough watch. That's a tough watch. For me, I'd say Hills of Eyes, the original. Yeah. Um, that's really, really visceral. Um, and, yeah, creepy. Um, but then I'm really, the the ones, I mean, I wouldn't say disturbing, but more the films that scare me, the paranormal ones, I think. Like, I'm a sucker for, like, paranormal activity. <laughs> really am. I don't know why. It's just something about it. And like the Exorcist and the Omen and all that kind of, you know, the the ghosty ones that you know it could happen. I haven't seen it yet, but it could happen. Yeah. I went for uh, gasping that it's fucking ir- irreversible. Um, <laughs> it's just like you, I, you're desperately trying to forget about that movie. You just keep um, bringing it back up again. It's not even the 15 minute rape scene in the in the basement. It's that fucking fire extinguisher scene that just like I can't understand how they filmed it. And it, I know it's just really, really good cinematography, but it fucks me up, man. I just, I can't, I've only seen it once and I only won't watch it again. But it's just disgusting. It's just disgraceful. And yet he deserved more than that. I might pick know. it for the movie involved. <laughs> but like, yeah, sort of that. And then Exorcist got me in a big way when it came back to the cinema in about, I think it was about two ninety nine or 2000. I can't remember when it came back. Yeah, that was a fucking big one. <laughs> uh, mm. I'm not talking about Sallow. 
it's the same, doesn't it, really? It's been discussed a lot already. So. Yeah. Drew the Killer was pretty fucked up, and that Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer had some fucking inside after that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inside, inside was fucking... Was it anti... Not anti-life. No, I'm not talking about that. But Inside was the one where... the Just Yeah. Right. Yeah, yes. that, cut, cut us out. Yeah, that's knifey, yes. knifey, slashy, slashy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Cool. But then, like, Brain Dead, right? When we watched Brain Dead a, like, a couple of episodes ago, I was at moments thinking, "Fucking hell, there's a there's a lot. That's a lot, a, a lot to fucking watch. It doesn't stop. It's relentless. Uh, and that is a great film. Oh, I love it. So much gore, and it's so yeah. like they've used so much awful in that. It's just disgraceful. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, good question. Ah, oh, wicked. Thank so those are my that. three questions, anyway. Yeah. Thanks for that, Simon. That's uh, that's that's been really interesting as- answering those questions. Very good questions. Should we um, move on to uh, our movie from the vault? This is Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express, and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a pretty amazing planet we live on here. And a man would have to be some kind of fool to think we're all alone in this universe. There is a hidden world where ancient evil weaves a modern mystery. What's going on here? Is this some kind of... Magic. The darkest magic. Ow! They call it Little China. Finally, we shall bring order out of chaos. It's where big trouble was waiting for Jack Burton. Who? Jack Burton. Me. Jack. Jack. Jack! They told him to go to hell. He made one move. And that's just where he's going. Somebody, I don't care who, tell me what is going on. Okay, this episode's move from the vault isn't really a horror, sort of action adventure comedy, really. Oh, uh, piss off! Yeah, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Obviously, it's a classic from the eighties, but um, you know, a rough and tumble trucker and his psychic face off of an ancient sorcerer in a supernatural battle. I don't like the tone of your voice, voice Mister Butcher. <laughs> Maybe I should take a introduce. Great poster, great movie, not a horror. Probably not more less of a horror than fucking cannibal women in the avocado jungle of death. Are you seriously comparing them two films? The martial arts movie, <laughs> more than anything. The hundred and fifty last episode of the podcast. Is it? <laughs> a great movie. It's a ten out of ten, hundred percent. However, like, come on, where's the fucking horror, Stevens? <laughs> and that's why you give it four out of five on Letbox. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just going to ask you, right? So we did a, a long time ago now, but we did do horror adjacent films, right? And we went through a plethora of stuff. And you guys have also reviewed The Nightmare Before Fucking Christmas, right? About Halloween. So, well, you know, sorcerers, uh, monsters in it, uh, magic, you know, martial arts. We did muscle bodybuilder from the the hell, the hell whatever it was called the other week. Um, so... 
Oh my god, there's definitely horror in this. And if you're watching this as a little child, then there is definitely horror in this. Hundred percent. I was more scared of the fucking golden child than this though. Don't even. But that again, that's got horror elements in it. I would agree with you there. I fucking love the golden child. But anyway, let's start. When did you first see this? I'll start then. I basically had it recorded off the TV, but I didn't even have it. Again, that classic thing where I didn't have the start of it. I literally, my VHS started when he just got to the market. (laughs) So I didn't didn't see anything before that, which you don't really need to know anything. But literally as he gets to the market is where my VHS started. So, yeah, and I I remember seeing it and I just remember because I was like a real big fan of like martial arts films when I was a kid. Like, I love martial arts films. And to see this with a, with a horror element and, um, the way it just, it, it was just the adventure of it, the wackiness of it, uh, it just like hit every note with me as a kid. And it was like everything out action, horror, like martial arts, guns, a lot. So it ticked every single box for me at the time when I watched it. And this, that's why I love it. So I wrecked my brains thinking when was the first time. There's films that I've watched over the years, which I remember the first time I ever watched them. But then there are films where they've just always been there in my life. Mm-hmm. So like things like The Goonies, right? Never tell you the first time I watched The Goonies, but it was always there. It was always around. And this was one of them films that was always around. So it's always been there in wherever we've watched it on the TV, video, whatever. It's just been there. Um and I've watched it so many times over the years. It's one of them films I've watched with the director commentary on it. Um, How are you? I just, yeah, it's it's great. Simon? Um, well, I, I'm probably the same as you, actually. I watched it, what, came out in, what, 86? So I would have watched it from the, off the telly. I definitely had it recorded. In fact, I remember I remember I had it recorded on a BASF tape. And do you remember you used to get those sheets of stickers with letters and numbers on? Yeah. I remember actually writing out the name Big Trouble in Little China with stickers on the spine <laughs> and put it on my shelf. You can see the direction I was going in even then. Um, so I, I think I would have watched it quite a bit back in the 80s and 90s. But then I went through a period where, I mean, I bought it on Blu-ray. You know, remember, remember when it came out? Um, there was like a steelbook edition. Uh, it's probably like 10 years ago now, but Arrow put it out first time round. Um, so I bought it then, but I, I didn't watch it until recently for the pod. Um, so I'm probably going to be a slightly dissenting voice here. And I, and I do like it. I do think, <laughs> hang on a minute. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I do like it. I think it's good. Had I not wa- rewatched it recently, I, yes, I can see I'm getting binned off there by Kurt, Kurt <laughs> Russell. Uh, Jack Burton, sorry. Uh, so had I not recently rewatched it, I think I would have given it off the top of my head an eight or nine. But having the, having rewatched it recently, I, I re-rated it on Letterboxd as a seven out of ten. And for me, for me, it, it's good. It's good. I'm not, I'm not putting it off. It's good. It's good. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of Jack Burton running around with various East Asian extras. And, and, and there's a lot of that. And it, it just seems, it doesn't seem to be particularly cohesive in places as, as well as want it. It doesn't have a memorable score like other Carpenter films. It does look great. I mean, uh, Dean Cundy is the DP. He, obviously, he went on to work on Jurassic Park. Um, you know, he's a he's a Carpenter staple. Um, it, it's great fun. It's great fun. I, I think I think Kurt Russell does a great impression of John Wayne when he's in the film. Yeah, and that's who he reminds me. Of. He may have been doing it on purpose. I don't know. I think he was. Yeah, there's definitely something going on there, but but that's a good thing. Um, 
But for me, it's just not top tier Carpenter. And John Carpenter's so good. He's so good that when, when he's, when he's at the peak of his game, he, he's just absolutely perfect. So for me, top tier Carpenter would be Halloween, The Thing, and Assault on Precinct 13. I think Big Trouble in Little China would be sort of second tier, second tier Carpenter for me. It's, it's really good. I've got great memories of it, but it's not here. It's here. <laughs> sort of like they live. The Fog, Prince of Darkness, then you sort of get into big trouble little time. You've not seen The Fog, so shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's definitely up there. It is is great fun. It's great fun. And, and, you know, perhaps having that little gap, for me, just separated the nostalgia a little bit. But I totally get get what you're saying. If you grow up with a film and it stays with you, it's never present. It just imprints itself on your brain and also almost in your heart. And it, it, it just almost travels along with you and... You know, I've got films like that as well. I've got films that I would say, oh, that's a 10, and you go, oh, that's rubbish, you know, well, that's not so good. Um, th- this is a, this is a very good film. It's, it's very entertaining, but for me, it's not quite top-tier Carpenter. Sorry. There we go. Yeah, ask Mr. <laughs> Butcher what he thinks. I mean, you know, as a, one of my, it's like, I'm like with Paul Stevens, this, this, this is just something that's been ever, ever present, you know, and it's got some of the best artwork and the best posters and the best sort of, ca- the characters are stunning the fight sequences are fantastic when they're there and um, the music i re i mean i i love the score for this i think it's, it moves along very very well um but yeah some some it does it does have that it, it, it like it misses a couple of beats you know it's not like completely um perfect jack burton is a perfect character like wang chi is probably the mvp in this like when he comes out of all those fucking martial art moves but if you're you're talking about a fucking horror that has like one brain thing in it, like horror adjacent. I mean, fucking Indiana Jones and in the Temple. We could do Indiana Jones and in the fucking Temple of Doom if we're doing this. That's all I'm saying. It's sort of got that. It, I'll just that, add something. You picked this movie. I know. And I, I, <laughs> so I, you're you're basically beating yourself. It's with a not stick. what I remember. I haven't watched it for fucking donkeys, right? And it's I, I for what I thought was all the on you. mystery and all the mystic stuff and the underworld and all that sort of stuff. I thought that was more. I did. I thought there was more to it than that than just a fucking monster with eyes. I thought I know the little rawhead Rex thing that's like pretty cool, but that wasn't in as much as I remembered. I don't know for some reason I thought there was more choppy choppy. And uh, uh, yeah. That's why I was like a bit, I compared it to like Golden Child and sort of stuff. Cause it's sort of, it's almost like, hey, this is, this is great. This is like, um, that, what would you, what would you give your kid to sort of introduce them to a little bit of nice, nice sort of horror sort of thing? I know it's got some little weird sweary bits and stuff, but yeah, fuck it. Let them have it. Like Gremlins, Gremlins, Big Trouble in China, Golden Child, Temple of Doom, sorted. So it's all kiddie, kiddie horror, if you like. But amazing movie is fantastic. Oh fucking hell! Yeah. <laughs> I hated it, but it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk about the film. that. It wasn't as horror-y as I thought. I remembered. All right, you've well, Yeah, so obviously you have Kurt Russell playing Jack Burton, <laughs> who finds himself bumbling through the film, but like he um, finds himself at the middle of this. Uh, his best mate Wang um, is picking his engaged to be married to a girl with green eyes Mao Ying and um, yeah so they go pick her up at the airport and then they get embroiled in this plot which involves a thousand year old sorcerer who wants to 
become, well, I, I, I take it as simple as he wants to become flesh again and take over the world, yeah? <laughs> That's basically pretty much the plot, but he needs to marry the girl with green eyes to, to do it. And then obviously all the hijinks follow from there. Kim Cattrall, is it it? You must have appreciated that much. It's batshit and unique storytelling, certainly. It's so unique. And eminently quotable. Mm. And the, you know, but it and it sort of runs, it runs like a Streets of Rage too, you know, it runs like a Mega Drive game. That's why I, what I thought some of the, but they killed the boss before the sub bosses, which I thought was a bit weird. So yeah, Free Storms, we can talk about them. Chinese standoff. There's some, that the trucks are awesome. Floating head looks good. The special effects are fucking great. He's got a great special effects team on it. Go on, Paul. Just give it. Just go on. I know you want it. <laughs> well, now, I mean, why do you? you? Why do you love this so much? Could could you? Because you do. So because, why? Why? Yeah, I, I just think pure escapism. I just think mm. like in the same. way, This is going to sound a bit weird, right? But in the same way, like Anchorman, right? When you watch Anchorman, Ron Burgundy becomes sort of like this. This character which like almost transcends the film it's just i believe like i know we're gonna say about the thing but i just think this is my favorite kurt russell role i just love it and he's obviously having a whale of a time and he's obviously gets on so well with john carpenter and if you do watch the commentary they basically piss themselves all the way through the film because they obviously had a great time doing it as well um and I just think it's great. It's just like I said, the special effects, the martial art, it's got a bit of everything. It's got a bit of creature in there. It's got, like you see, it's got just the, the eye monster, the, obviously the orangutan rawhead wrestling at the end, but then you've got the, the, the fish thing that comes out and eats one of the ninjas. Yeah. About that one. Um, James Hong's in it. Like, um, the three storms, man. Like, just, it's, it's just batshit. Brilliance, and I. If you were gonna put like ten eighties movies and send them into space, this would be one of the ten, right? Well, it would be for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I just just think it's. And you know what? I suppose what Simon was saying about the Doctor Who scaring him as a child was a bit of this scared me. Like the the monster (laughs) eye monster genuinely scared me as a kid. That's freaky. Yeah, it's cute. Uh, and you know what really did when you first meet Lopan in the wheelchair? Yeah. It looks like he's been skinned alive. That freaked me out as a kid. It's so, fucking more it was more combat though, wasn't it, as well as some bits, like with the little with the radon, you know, the electric and that that was quite oh, funny. Mortal Kombat was Big Trouble of China. Yeah. That's mm. you know, that's the distinction. They didn't copy it, they took its cues from that. So yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like the storms and stuff. But yeah, I mean let's honestly, you know, what happens to Thunder? It's just brilliant. Yeah. Mm, I the thing, the thing I like about it as well, and it's intentional, obviously, is Kurt Russell's the big American guy who's like meant to be kind of like the main part, but he's not. He's a bumbling idiot pretty much the whole way through it. And Wang is the the, the star. And and I and I think, you know, at a time when you know action movies were rife, and obviously. America was America, and it's just I, the thing I liked about it as well is that it showed another culture, and it didn't shy away from kind of making them the kind of overall kind of like people that won at the end. 
it's just like so it's kind of like good to see a different culture as well because like in a big american kind of you know world of film where everything is like big and action star and they must be you know have it written on their contracts that they will never lose or anything like that and like you said kurt russell went through it with just having a laugh and just like chewing up the scenery the character the character of jack burton is just brilliant it's just the character just the scripts of him alone is brilliant and everything around him is just great i just i just i think it, it you know it's it's a crazy film it's just all over the place but that's why I liked it, because it was just so different when I watched it when I was younger. It's a great big, beautiful, hot mess of a movie that that has Kurt Russell in. It's... I wouldn't use the phrase phrase hot mess, but yeah. The masterpiece. It's a wall man, Victor Wall. I am sporting a little Jack Burton Funko figure. Um is my little mascot today, so yeah. Yeah, the vest is amazing. The vest is awesome, you know, and it's the quintessential, you know, gets gets the girl sort of movie. It's just, it's just eighties. It's just and that, smells and t- tastes. Um, the scenery at the end, where it literally looks like Lopan's mole, <laughs> where they've literally got it looks like a mole that they've dressed up as uh, his lair, um, and I just think that's awesome. <laughs> it just looks crazy, and the fact that they have to drink that juice before they go in is just brilliant. Oh, the positive juice. And it's like, I feel really positive. good. Look, the bit where he jumps out and shoots the gun in the air and the rocks fall on his head, it's just, I mean, look, it's comedy gold. Like, right. the, in the factory, he pulls the door open and it's just the entire army's behind <laughs> it. He shuts it. He's like, we may have a problem. <laughs> There's the fact of after that, he goes, it's okay. They might have only seen me. <laughs> and it's like, what? And, and the bit where he's got lipstick on. Come on now, man. That's brilliant when he's like, he just jumps out and he's just got full full mouth of lipstick. Fucking comedy gold. Why is Jack Burton the character? Like, why is that name? I don't know why, but it just feels so cool. Jack Burton. It's so <laughs> simple, but it's like, it does sound like like John Connor. I don't know. It just sounds like you, rem- you would remember it. Jack Burton, it just sounds cool. Like Matt said, it's set up to be that action style. It's set up to be that big, like, right, I'm going to be, you know, like an Arnie or Sylvester Stallone of that time of, like, right, this is Kurt Russell. And it just subverts it completely by making him just a big, heartfelt idiot. <laughs> well, you can see it's like, um, like the way he develops, <laughs> he sort of comes up with his characters. Kim Cartrell's character is called Grace Law. You know, it's just like, well, that'll do. <laughs> She's like Egg Chen, Egg Shen, Egg Shen. I'm sure there's some. I mean, there is, there is a lot of explaining in the movie. I'll give you that. If there's one, one kind of negative, if I have to pick up on it, is that there's a lot of explaining. Like there's like, oh, you, you know, this is why this is the story behind it, and oh, this is why that person's like, like that's why they're having a go at each other. Oh, this is why they. But it's all part of it. It's just like put in there, just as like you know. So well, what? So what? The Chinese, the Chinese have a lot of hells, remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, Come on. The important thing is to get into some Matt's facts because you must have fucking shitloads. I've, I've got quite a few, yeah. Um, bit obvious ones, but um, quite interesting ones. So I'll reel through them as quick as I can. 
Um, Jackie Chan was John Carpenter's first choice to play Wang Chi, but producer Lawrence Gordon was highly against it, fearing Chan's English wasn't good enough after seeing the performances in Battle Creek Brawl in 1980 and The Protector in 1985. But Carpenter wanted Chan after the success of Police Story in 1985. Chan declined and Dennis Dunn was cast instead. Which is great. I think Dennis Dunn was brilliant in it. Yeah, me too. I think it works. And like also, on that note, how could they not make another one? <laughs> like soon after. It's too late now. But I would have loved them to come back as like a double act. They do see it, I think, in the commentary of like there was loads of talk about a sequel, but it didn't do very well at the box office. So I think it just got quashed because the studio were like, nah. Yeah. And then it, it really came to life in VHS. That's when it. That's when it. I know, I know. I know. Yeah. So I think that's what killed it. I think they do. They do go on about it because I think it is one of the things that Kurt Russell says that it's the one thing he gets asked more than anything. I think. It's, yeah. Well, there was there was that horrible talk of The Rock doing it. I, I, I can see again. I can see somebody remaking it at some point. Just, just, just that's yeah. the year you live in. But, um, but yeah. Actually, if you do want further, further on it though, uh, Colm, that obviously we had on the pod, he for my Secret Santa one year at work, he got me the graphic novel. Oh, wicked! And it's it's like the Adventures of Jack Burton, and it's so good. It's so oh, good. really? Definitely worth, worth picking up. But yeah. Nice. nice. Um, according to John Carpenter and Kurt Russell in the DVD commentary, the story was originally written as a western. Um, but Carpenter decided uh, that he wanted it in more modern times. They even mentioned that instead of Jack Burton's truck being stolen, it was his horse. Mm. And I did watch a bit of the commentary, and it does explain that the original script um, and story was an out-and-out Western. So that would have been a whole different film. Yeah. Um, Kim Cattrall left the set at 4.30pm each day, then performed in a production of Anton Chekhov's Three Sisters, Cattrall remembers having to explain to the studio bosses who Chekhov was. My film career subsided, my uh, my theatre career. She said, if I only did theatre, I would have had had to waitress. And I didn't want to waitress. Which is crazy. You think, what? Um, Kurt Russell turned down the lead role of Connor McLeod in Highlander in 1986 to appear in this film, apparently. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, Both movies were made and released by 20th Century Fox. Um, I quite like this. The interior... I, this has got to be true, surely. The interior of Egg Chen's garage slash office is the Fire Station 23 from Ghostbusters. What, the actual set? Yeah. Ooh, that's cool. Please tell me that's true. If anybody out there knows that that's true. But that's pretty cool. Um, in the scene where Kurt Russell is attempting to infiltrate the brothel, Apparently, he is wearing the same outfit that he wore in used cars in 1980. And apparently, he was he was really ill after getting the f- flu. He had the flu just as they filmed that. And, you know, when he's like, looks like he's covered in his wet, is actually sweat, apparently, because he was so ill. Um, <clears throat> this is great as well. And I know this for a fact. It's true. The ending song is written and sung by the Coupe de Villes, the band formed by John Carpenter, Nick Castle. You know who Nick Castle is. And Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, the second unit director on this picture. That's their band. It's pretty nice. crazy. Um, oh, got a couple more. Sorry, it's gone on, but there's quite a few. Uh, the movie was parodied in a Chinatown ghost story, 2014, an episode of the animated Teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that even had James Hong provide the voice 
of a near-carbon copy of Lopan named Ho-Chan, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, in the prison scene, Gracie is the only prisoner kept bound and gagged, which I thought was a bit weird. Yeah, that was, this, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? This unexplained by a deleted scene where she gives the, guys, uh, the guards verbal abuse, resulting in her being gagged and hogtied, as there was no prior indication due to the scene being deleted, a surprise Kim Cattrall had no idea she would be spending the scene trussed up until the end of the day shooting. She endured it like a professional, occasionally having her gag removed so she could drink water. When asked by John Carpenter whether or not she was uncomfortable, she simply replied, I've been in tighter situations than this. <laughs> and the body, body count is 46. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 10 out of 10. You are all correct. Well done. Let's move on. I mean, it's a 7 for Simon Kluge. 7 earlier, and I, I give it an 8. 7 out of 10, yeah. Yeah. But I know you guys are a 10, so that's fine. And that's fair. All Jolly Paul says at a time like this. Oh, the I know what I'm interested in. I want to fucking find out what's next, because that was a beaut. It was a beaut. It's great to watch this movie. Um, and it's a treat, absolute treat. But we've got a guest on who's going to provide our <laughs> next little foray into uh, the move from the vault. So what are you pulling out from the vault, Simon? OK, well, um, I'm going to take you back to Hong Kong. Yes. Uh, to 1991. Uh, right, this is a film that was mentioned, I believe, in the last episode or two by Matt. Um, so I would like you to watch for the next movie from the vault. Ricky O, the story of Ricky. Directed by Lam Guy Kai. Awesome. It's, uh, basically, it's like a live-action manga. It's very gory with lots of practical effects. Um, it's on Plex, so you can watch it for free with ads. You can rent it from Amazon, or you can support physical media and buy the Blu-ray. Right, <laughs> so. um, you got it, me, Matt, I think. It's on, yeah, 88, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a classic. It's a classic. I, I don't want to hype it too much, but it's, it's brilliant. I the haven't story seen Story of Riccio. The story of Ricky, yeah. Ricky O, the story of Ricky. So it's based on a manga, essentially. Hang on. The story of Ricky, Ricky O. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the, that's the title. Ricky. Yeah, that's the title. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, okay, I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wait, you wait. I can't wait for you to see it. Um, I was kind of inspired by... There it is. There it is, oh, Ricky. Wow. Ricky. Still in the cellophane, waiting to go. Yeah, we're, we're, go, we're going horror. We're, we're going... Long. Hot, we're going to go for a little bit of horror martial arts thing for the next uh, ten episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also, you watched um, what was it? Japanese bodybuilder, muscle bodybuilder from hell, yeah. <clears throat> a couple of weeks oh, ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not it's not the same, but it's the same same sort of feeling, I guess. So, um, so it's kind of a follow on from that, really. And it's martial arts, and you've just been talking about martial arts. <laughs> Has it got? <laughs> um. Well, if he's in it, he's heavily made up. <laughs> he probably is. Did a lot back then. Awesome. Did. Yeah. Oh, that was... Uh... No, no, that's episode 150. Thank you so much, Simon, for coming on. And uh, we've learned so much about the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could have gone into the 60s. No, I couldn't. Um, can I just say thanks very much for having me on. Um, thanks, Matt, for arranging it. And also, um, just again, congratulations on reaching 150 episodes. I know you guys are busy. You've all got busy lives. You clearly love horror because you, you spend the time 
sitting here talking about stuff you love. You know, you you, you put your favourite genre first, uh, and you're an absolute credit. So long may it continue. So well done, guys. Ah, oh, thanks, Simon. Thank you. Thank you very much. And this long. will definitely not be the last time that Simon the Count <laughs> be on. <laughs> he will definitely be coming out of his coffin. Well, that that will snuff 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 me, Simon. Forget you. The next time you go and say, Matt, you need to like get your coat up to your nose and be like, hello, Matt. <laughs> oh, I've got, I've got some sights to show you. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's oh, that's right. Pinhead. No, that's Pinhead. No. A, a bit like Doug Bradley. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then you can produce a VHS from under your jacket and say, this is a stuff, snuff movie I made. Because uh-huh. I want to see that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> on on oh, the cool. send the chair it. That could be a movie from the vault in episode 3000. <laughs> <laughs> God, I ah, donkey's so, anyway. Thank, uh, and also, yeah, thank you to every, uh, every all your other breathers, you know, um, who's sticking with us and stuff like that. And you know, the podcast is getting uh, more outreach, it's made, more listeners and stuff like that, which is fantastic to hear. So you know, get involved, come and talk, recommend us some amazing movies that we can continue to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, and maybe you'll find yourself on the podcast one day. Lucky, lucky people. <laughs> All right, moving on to episode 151, because we're continuing. Um, we're going back to the cinema, I think. I might be surprising the guys on this. Lisa, Lisa Frankenstein's out, so we could go rom-com. And there's another one, which I can't remember. So Lisa Frankenstein might be the one that we end up seeing. Um... Oh, and then we come back with another something to stream about, and then our move from the vault is the story of Ricky Ricky O from 1991. Awesome, thank you, Simon. So, is there one more thing to say? When there's no more room in hell, here's another podcast. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. You can follow us on Twitter at Draw One Last, Instagram at Draw One Last Breath, or pop us an email at Draw One Last Breath pod at hotmail.com <laughs>